A lot of brands that stood for something and that had purpose and had intention were able to thrive during these times because I feel like we were in this time where like, I don't know, are we going to die? And people wanted to really focus on what's important. I feel like the consumer consciousness has completely shifted to supporting women, supporting color business, supporting black businesses. And I feel like we are very fortunate and honored to be in a position where when that consciousness shifted, people saw KOIs like, oh, they've been doing this shit. This is not part of our marketing plan of like, hey, we kind of need to lean more towards like the Latino people of color, black business. Like, no, this is something that we've been doing since day one. You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here, we'll increase transparency around the netto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me bi-weekly as we cover stories with our community's front and center, alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. No te lo quieres perder. This is Leanne Alfaro, and you're listening to Moneda Moves. You were just hearing from Daniel Bueso, co-founder and CEO of Kids of Immigrants. And this is part two of a two-part series between Moneda Moves and Latinx professional network, La Nueva Link. We're talking all about making it building a brand identity that lasts. And joining me today on the panel is co-founder of the network, Deb Renteria, who will also be serving as host. Thanks so much for joining me, Deb, today. Also joining us to share her expertise as a panelist is author of Jefa in Training, Ashley K. Soyano Vojeda. Now, Latinx-owned businesses are the fastest growing segment in the U.S. small business ecosystem. It's a fact. But in a highly competitive environment, the stakes are also high. Per the Bureau of Labor Statistics, by the end of the fifth year, about half of small businesses across the board will have failed. Therein lies our critical question for today. How do we create a brand and business that lasts the test of time? So today we're going to speak with two experts in the space to share their guidance and expertise. So we have, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Kids of Immigrants, which is founded by Daniel Bueso and Wella Dennis as a medium to express their passion to create, empower, and love, inspired by the roots, environments, and life experiences the mission statement is simple. Do the best we can with what we have. And we also have Ashley K. Stoyano Vojeda, fondly known as the business Ada Madrina, community builder, business development strategy coach, and socialpreneur. She's originally from Queens, New York, created an organization featured in the Recording Academy called Women Crush Music, and has dedicated her career to creating opportunities and developing businesses of underrepresented entrepreneurs. So to both, Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm very eager to dig into the conversation. Ashley, we'll start with you. Because you have developed a portfolio where you've worked with brands like media brand, The Mujerista, Bonita Fierce Candles, through their business plans. But you've also needed to create a brand for yourself. You started in the space as an artist, a musician of sorts. And then you evolved to community organizer and now a coach. Can you talk to us about the ingredients needed to create a 
strong brand. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Also, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I think the main components of building your brand is number one, know what value you have to offer. And number two, know who you are trying to serve. And all of these things together will definitely make putting your pitch together a lot easier. I coach a lot of different entrepreneurs, mainly Latinas, and a lot of them will come to me and say, well, you know, I want to start this blog. I want it to be about music. And I'll be like, okay, well, who are you trying to target? And they'll be like, well, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, what's your pitch? Like, how are you going to start working with people? How are you going to start partnering with people? And they're just like, well, we don't really know. We're not really sure what we do differently than everyone else. And I think those two components, once you can put your mind to figure those out, and there are a bunch of different tools and strategies that we can talk about to figure that out. But I think having those two in mind are definitely the main components of building a brand that will last. Daniel, you built a brand, one that I personally love and I, I rock. I wore it to the office the other day and people were just like, oh, settled on. Can you tell us a little bit about the inception of Kids of Immigrants? What's the origin story? Thank you. And to what Ashley said, I think those are really important points that she talked about. I think for we're going into year six and a lot has changed and a lot of what traditional business is and business models have changed. There's some things like what Ashley mentioned that don't ever change. It's like you kind of got to understand yourself, who you are and what you want to bring to the table and who you want to represent. I think those are important. And I think those things have never changed. But I think with us, we started everything with just a purpose. Like the statistics that you shared, thank you for sharing. I don't, not up to date with those things, but as people of color, as Latinos, I think we understand the lack of representation, the lack of our voice being in these rooms. And I look at that as opportunities to step up to the plate. You know, for us, it was more in the style, fashion, streetwear world. My educational background is in social work. So that was something important from the beginning of our company to be part of our ethos that we want to create something with purpose. We want to create with intention. We want it to mean something we want our people not only to wear something that makes them look good and cool, but also feel good and feel represented. And when you wear Kids of Immigrants, you're wearing a flag, you're wearing something that represents so much more than just a t-shirt. I'm all over the place, but I think just the inception of KOI was just creating something that we didn't see in the market. I think when you find that self-awareness in yourself, and I think the world doesn't need another one of me or any of y'all it's just we're all unique and we all bring something different and we could kind of focus on that of who we are and, and figure out what is our voice I think you'll figure out what is that market that you want to talk to and what exactly you want to tell people and it'll come from somewhere that's authentic and genuine and I think in that way you'll always win in business. KOI is a brand with integrity and I think that's also why people gravitate towards it. I want to draw attention to something that you mentioned, which is purpose. And that resonated with me so much because, you know, outside of Moneda Moves, I also worked at a stock exchange where we spoke with founders and CEOs of public companies. And that's something that companies that really had a stronghold of their narrative, they knew their why, they knew their purpose. 
And it's interesting that sometimes that, that can get a little bit lost in the narrative and as you continue to evolve, but the fact that you have such a stronghold of what your why is, I think is super important. And Ashley, I know you dropped in the chat. Yes, Daniel, 100% agree. So I have a feeling you might have something to add on top of that. One of the huge things I've been talking about a lot as I've been on this book tour and is people always ask me like, oh, like I'm so scared of starting a business. Like, how do I not worry about competition and this, this and that? And, you know, Daniel said something that I say all the times, like everyone has something unique to bring to the table. And I think, especially as Latinos, we need to remember that a lot of the times we've grown up thinking that being different is a bad thing, right? But it's really not. And there are so many differences that we have maybe because we grew up with immigrant parents and maybe English was not our first language or we spent our whole lives translating for our parents and that made us different, made us feel less than or whatever. But all of these differences actually make us so much stronger and give us a unique perspective on life and therefore business. And so we all have something very, very strong and unique that we can bring to the table no matter what it is that we're doing. Ashley, I know that in your book, If I Am Training, you also talk about the importance of market research or just knowing your audience, really, if we want to break it down. So how do you get to know your audience, your consumer? Everyone's probably heard of the term like target audience, right? And I think there's a little bit more to that, right? Than knowing like just the general demographics, like their age and where they live and what they do for a living and how much money they make. And there's a really good way to kind of tap into their thoughts. And there are a few different ways that I mentioned in the book to do market research. But my favorite way is actually to just talk to your ideal customers. I always like to say, start with a survey. You can send a survey out to 20, 30 people, however many you'd like to, and then follow up with a one-on-one -on -one interview. And I really, really like this method because not only does it give you a chance to create like a genuine connection and kind of follow up on those questions that you asked in the survey, but these people that you're interviewing one-on-one, -on -one, they will become like your VIPs, your day ones. And they're the ones that you'll be able to keep on this special list where you can test new products or new services on them, keep them in the loop about new launches, ask them how they feel if you're going to increase your prices or whatever it is, right? Just keep them in the loop because they're already going to feel important because you started with them. You started with them as your market research group. And I think there's such a power in having this VIP community that is, it's just extremely special and extremely beneficial for any business. Daniel, I'm super curious. Ashley's talking about surveys and, you know, creating a VIP group. How did you find your community? How did you find your consumer? How did folks start to gravitate towards KOI? There's so many different methods to do so. As is for us, we do our best to be authentic with what is real to us. Obviously, social media plays a huge part of like building community in 2022. I think for us, it was very straight up. Like we're kids of immigrants and that's who I am. That's what my co-founder is. That's who our team is. And it was a genuine approach of representation. And I feel like authenticity is key. And I think through that, social media was the biggest format, just the biggest medium of the way we were able to communicate and build the community. But it was just like simply just saying, kids of immigrants and people were just like, wait, what? That's me. Or wait, I have a story of being a kid of an immigrant. So I think for us, like our target audience was more on people 
based on shared values. Like I never really looked for an age group or ethnicity. Kids of immigrants can be, I'm Honduran, my co-founder is Liberian. My other partner is Mexican, my other partner is Jamaican. I never really looked for an exact color, demographic, ethnicity, even age group. I was talking to someone in their 50s the other day and they're in the streetwear business and they were saying that they were never proud to be a kid of an immigrant till they saw how much we brought a positive look at just saying I'm an immigrant or saying I'm a kid of an immigrant. So when I look at who our consumer is, or who our audience and community is, shared values, I have a lot of people who say, hey, I'm not a kid of an immigrant, but I still love this brand, you know, and I'm like, it's for everyone. You know, I think I say like, you know, my name is not Louis or Vuitton and I wear you know, sometimes we wear stuff that has nothing to do with who we are, but we like it. We like the style, whatever it may be. So I think for us, it's been important just to really talk about what our values are. And I see the way the youth wants to save the world and wants to change things. For me growing up, I'm 33. Like I didn't really have that much information or just thought that I can change the way people think. But the youth does care about that. They do want to unify. They do want to you know, they care about all these things that I just didn't have awareness of at their age. So I feel like through these shared values, we created a community, mostly on social media, but also just in real life. You know, I think our main message is spread love, support your friends and anything is possible. And I think for us and the team, we can't only say that we have to actually live that we can't say love and put love on a shirt. And then when you meet me, it don't feel like love. And I think in real life, that's super important to us too, that you get that experience and you're like, damn, this message is more than just on a shirt. It's the way these people live and talk and walk. Right. I think like my brain is bursting because I'm in the entertainment industry and I work on branding for entertainment companies and films. And I think of, we're always trying to hone in on the like human truth, that like stickiness that is specific, but also universal. And I think you really did that with like people being able to own the fact that they are kids of immigrants from wherever they come from and be able to, for the first time, maybe stand proudly and loudly and wear it boldly. So kudos to you for doing that. Yeah. And second on that kudos. And I love Pablo Torres's comment in the chat. He says for KOI, I was attracted to the ethos, but also importantly, because it looked dope. And I kind of want to talk about that because I think imagery is important. Like the messaging is very strong. And it sounds like perhaps when you started, you said you said six years ago, right? Six years ago, I think back to media back then. And I'm like, whoa, what a different world we were in, it seems like, because we were all craving that representation and we weren't seeing it. And there were people pushing for that representation. At least for me, I can speak to it in the newsroom. Deb, you might be able to speak to it in the entertainment industry more so but it was hard. You did not see that kind of representation. So that was powerful, but to visually see it, I just wonder, and I kind of want to pose that question to you, Dania, what were people's reactions when you first came out with this brand? I think it's like anything great that you do, it's, it's different. You know, it's just not going to hit the way it's not current. It is more in the future. Six years ago, it was even to work, you know, now I look at brands that are willing to work with us, but brands didn't want to associate with themselves with company that's yelling immigrants off the top of their lungs. Also, there's a lot of times we were put in a box, you know, like because we said immigrants, we automatically are, you know, taking this political stance and picking a side of like 
hey, I'm more on this side of things when it comes to policy change. And trust me, we do have our opinion and our beliefs. But overall, like people were scared to talk about it or, or just to associate themselves with. We were dropped out of like some last minute campaigns because, you know, years later, find out that these brands were just they were shook. Well, we don't know if we're ready to like associate with a brand, even though our brand values and community service was all based on just giving back to the youth, giving back whether the work we did with art programs in L.A., back to school programs, work that we've done in the borders, like nothing was necessarily a political stance per se, because that's like that's a whole nother world that we won't get into. So I think we're one of the brands and I feel like a lot of brands were able to thrive. The pandemic hit really hard and it, it's hard sometimes to even think of how negatively it, it impacted a lot of people, especially our own people. And at the same time, a lot of brands that stood for something and that had purpose and had intention were able to thrive during these times because I feel like we were in this time where like, I don't know, are we going to die? And People wanted to really focus on what's important. I feel like the consumer consciousness has completely shifted to supporting women, supporting color business, supporting Black businesses. And I feel like we are very fortunate and honored to be in a position when that consciousness shifted. People saw KOI as like, oh, they've been doing this shit. This is not part of our marketing plan of like, hey, we kind of need to lean more towards like the Latino people of color. Black business, like, no, this is something that we've been doing since day one. And like I said, we're in a fortunate place that the consumer consciousness now, we, we're very, we want to be more intentional on how we spend our money. And, you know, hold on, I'm giving my money to this person or to this company. Do these people have the values that I want to represent? Do these people give a fuck about my community or my family or whatever we're doing? And from something that was, I felt outcasted, I felt like people put us more in a nonprofit world. And I remember we would be like, yeah, just because we're doing community work, we're not a nonprofit. We did a complex con for the first time last year because they finally gave us the platform that we felt we deserved for years. But it was like, oh, yeah, not like streetwear. Yeah, more like organization, like community work and all this type of stuff. So we went through all those challenges. I appreciate each and every one of those challenges because we were able to really stand on our beliefs and pull through. And I think that makes every single challenge, every single obstacle, every single person that said no to us worth it. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the focus on what you said, consumer consciousness and how that has shifted, but also the fact that you were doing it all along. So it's just partially being at the right place at the right time, but it's also adhering to your values, which are made because of you. To, to Ashley's point and what she said earlier that you and who makes the business makes the business. And so Ashley, I kind of want to pose the next question to you, which is about what makes a brand memorable. Somebody in the chat mentioned earlier that KOI, one of the reasons that they like it is like, yes, the messaging, yes, the, the mission and vision, but also it looks great. It feels good to wear it. Deb says she loves wearing it in her office. Like what makes a brand stick? All of those things, right? I don't think that we can say one is more important than the other. I'm going to give you an example. So I'm going to shamelessly plug my book, but also show you what I'm talking about, right? Hefan training, it's all in color. So people love the design. People see the cover. They see the colors. They see the colors of the women here, all the Latinas on the cover. And they look at the inside and they're like, this is a beautiful book. 
And somehow within the colors, and then they start reading it with the tone that the book is written in makes them feel like home. And that's not something that I'm saying. That's something that people have been saying to me and they, the people who know me and who have been reading it, they're like, this book is you. This book is you. We look at the book and we see you and we hear your voice. And it's so funny, the people who read it before ever hearing me speak, and then they meet me, they're like, holy crap, like we were hearing your voice this whole time. The voice of not a stuck up business coach trying to tell us what to do, but the voice of your mejor amiga or your prima, like guiding you through every step of the way of building your business. And I think that's what makes things memorable, right? It's really creating a genuine connection to people via your brand, via your book, via your streetwear, via whatever it is that you're doing, because that's what people remember. People might not necessarily remember like a phrase that you've said or what something looks like, but they will remember how you make them feel. And I think at the end of the day, that's what really matters. That's so important what you said. They will remember. I feel like my Angela must have said this. <laughs> yeah, I know I didn't come up with that. I definitely went <laughs> like, somewhere. <laughs> my Angela, I think, told me this. No, but I fully agree. And I think, Daniel, back to you on the next question. How does your brand continue to evolve as your community changes or grows? I know you talked about consumer consciousness and elevating that, but what are your thoughts here? I feel like for us, where we're at going into year six is just expanding more on a horizontal level. I think because what we represent is so much more than, a, than clothing, I think rather than a business kind of more vertical space of like, and what I mean by that is like, you make a hundred thousand, then you make 200,000, then you make 400,000, then you make a million and whatever that model is like, I think our goals is to expand in the spaces that we fill up. So doing more than clothing. So Working in different, we started our creative agency last year, just because one of the things we notice about KOI is that people love the brand, but they also love the formula that we've sort of created internally. And that's being that bridge of community, of nonprofits, of what we call culture collectives and up and coming brands, being that bridge to these global brands and being able to tie it all together. So we started our agency, we're expanding as individuals like myself with a coffee shop, Debbie, who's our creative director with her hot sauce, Christian with his candles, Wella more in the fine art space. We just want to continue to expand and be more in these spaces. Kids of Immigrants is, looks cool on the shirt, but it's just so many of us and it's not enough representation of us everywhere. One of the things that we're also working on is just like we have like an incubator where we are mentoring up and coming brands to what Ashley was saying, like in her book and the way it looks and it looks and feels like her. That's another thing that we've been doing with local and small businesses is helping them brand themselves. I think you can be doing the, the coolest thing, the best thing ever, whatever service that may be, whether it's a shirt, whether it's the dry cleaner or a restaurant that you have, maybe the best food, but it, it doesn't look cool if you're not branding it correctly, you might be missing out on a big opportunity of just of your consumer. So we've also been helping like some of these small businesses and local businesses just with their own branding. Cause like we go to these mom and pop shops and we're like, damn, this food is fire or whatever it is, but the branding is there, but it's just not fully curated. And I think as experts in that, 
of we're putting big ass immigrants logo in front of a shirt and making it look cool and making you be like, yeah, I actually love wearing this shirt. And I love how it attracts people attention to just to think and be like, wait, what? What does that mean? So I think with that understanding that we go deeper into like, what is this formula we've created and how can we use that in different spaces through different artists, through different businesses, through the youth, through nonprofits. That's another thing with nonprofits. Like they don't have time to really think about what design, what logo, what t-shirt they want to do, but they're actually doing the coolest work ever. They're doing way cooler work than I'm doing. I believe we're all part of creating this change. But, you know, when it comes to certain organizations, it's like, dang, I'm really doing the legwork for this. So like with them also working with them and expanding through service, I think back to like those two values that Ashley said, you know, when you know what your value is, what you bring to the table, then, you know, we're able to be consistent in any room because we know what we bring. We know who we are. There's a lot of simple humanity values, like being a good person, empathy, compassion, patience, and all that type of shit that people don't talk about enough in business. But I feel like it's key to everything. And sometimes business is not easy. I barely sleep at times. And I don't think that's a, a okay thing. I'm trying to find my balance between rest and running a business. But sometimes I forget how those core values, because you're so caught up on numbers, you're so caught up on strategy or marketing. I have meetings about people that want to talk about 2024. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, how do I even think that far? So within all those things, I have to just remember to be human, to be a good person, to be kind to myself and all those things. Oh my gosh, I'm here for all of it. You just took us on a journey. Like I was like, making like a movie in my mind with everything that you were all the information that you were telling us so thank you so much daniel i love the expansion through service concept and i love how that stays true to your values and you still did address our question which is how are you reaching your audience and really you're expanding through the core mission statement that you introduced all along it sounds like so that's amazing to hear ashley kind of turning this to you from a more like mapping strategy perspective how does somebody follow their consumer? I know we had conversations before where you said you can't predict everything that your consumer is going to want or need. You need to stay nimble, right? But how can you begin to even map that out? A huge part of a brand is knowing how to best communicate with your community. And for a lot of brands, that is social media. For some, it might be their newsletter. For some, it might be both. For some, especially during COVID, I feel like everyone and their mom started a Slack channel or a Mighty Networks group. And, you know, for some, it might be through those channels. And I think the number one thing is once you know who you're serving is learn how they like to be communicated with and learn how often you're going to communicate with them. And when you talk about like following your customer's journey or your community member's journey, right? It's put yourself in their position from the moment that they hear about you to the moment that, you know, they might see another lead magnet or ad or whatever for your business, the moment they sign up for something, the moment that they purchase something, what happens after they purchase, do you ask them for feedback? What happens two weeks down the line after that, three months down the line after that? How are you following up with them? And I think a lot of brands, they focus on growth and growth and growth and growth and growth that they forget about retention. And that's incredibly important because you have 
such power in this community that you already have that a lot of brands don't know how to tap into that and engage that and just use like those people who already believe in you to grow more have some kind of ambassador program, have some kind of affiliate program, whatever you want to call it, however you want to do it. But I think that's incredibly important to continue the journey. Talk about like the stages of the sales funnel, right? I think a lot of people stop at the decision-making phase and they don't go to like the, the actual fan phase which is what a lot of people like to call it, which is the the retention part of it. So I think just kind of keeping that in mind and making sure that they are feeling seen and heard and appreciated and valued and all of those things can really, really help. I think it's so interesting about turning your consumers into fans. I feel like I've never even thought about that. So thank you for sharing. Daniel, we know you have tremendous brand collaborations like the Vans and Greenhouse, the Hey Arnold drop. So congrats on that. What have been some of the learnings from working with these bigger companies and how do you approach collaborations? I think more than anything, I've learned that we have all the leverage that we as the culture, as the creatives. I always hear this and I always would try to tell it to myself like, they need us more than we need them. And that's hard when financially you're like, I could use this money. I could use this opportunity. We've been in those moments a lot where it's like, damn, like, I don't, this is kind of whack, but I kind of need the money and it's hard. And I think integrity in those moments are really important. Right. And, and I would say, looking back at all the collaborations we've done, like there's probably a few that I'm like, yeah, I'm glad we did it because I learned so much from it. And we did Vans is probably the most biggest ones because we did three different collaborations with them early on. I don't want to put numbers out there, but the budget that they gave us for marketing changed so much because sometimes it's like dating, you know, you kind of like go on the first thing, kind of see how it is. I would say by the third collaboration with them, they gave us free will to do whatever we wanted. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you playing the back and forth. Like these corporations are simply corporations. Like you're, I don't even want to blame the people all the time. It's just like these brands been around for hundreds of years. They got all these rules from whenever. And like, you got to kind of prove yourself. And at times it's hard because why do we have to prove that we want to do something good for our people? Like, how can you not just believe us and be like, yes, let's do it. How much money do you need? But now I think there is a proof of concept in what we do. And with Vans, it started with a very small budget that we had to go out of pocket and add more to the budget so it can roll out. The only way we would want it to roll out is like we had to take money from our own pockets and, and put money up just to tell the full story. But again, I think working with these brands, I've learned that sometimes it's not always like that they don't fuck with us or your mind to make up all these games right and all these narratives i would think like do they think we're not good enough i would think those things you know because i'm human i'm just like yo why is this not working out but i've learned that through time and through experience think about the first budget that i asked from vans i probably wouldn't have known what to do with that to be all the way honest because i was just like i thought yeah like give me this money and i'll make this thing happen I think within time, I learn more and more. I think collaborations are important. I don't think they're the main thing that people should focus on. I think we get asked a lot about collaborations. And I think 
they can be like great milestones, but I think it's important to create a brand on your own with its own identity that doesn't need the collab. When the collab comes out, it's like, whoa, that's fire. But I, I already love this brand. So it's almost like you bring to what Ashley's saying, you bring your consumer, your fan, your audience to this journey with you that it's like, you know, watching your favorite artist that you saw now is headlining a show or wins a Grammy. You're like, you're part of that journey, but you love that brand, that person before that. So I think for us this year, we decided to stay off a of collab, mostly just because we wanted to focus on us. They collabs do take a lot of our time. Yeah, that's a really insightful when it comes to working on brand collabs, and especially in a time that's so fueled by this like creator economy too. So I really appreciate your insights there in terms of what went into the mix in terms of you deciding how much you needed to ask for, how much everything is really worth and valuing our work when it comes to approaching these brand collaborations, but also to build your partnership on its own, all super important points. We like to end all Monera Moves and La Nova Links podcast like this. We always aim to learn from our experts. So I want to know for both of you, what has been your biggest money learning as a CEO of your own business and or building a brand? So Ashley, we'll start with you. Don't be afraid of money. I think all of us, I mean, you can add to it, but like all of us are pretty cognizant that money is important to everything, yet somehow we all try to avoid our financial advisors like the plague. <laughs> and most of us will not put a budget together or propose budgets together for any of our projects. And I learned for experience that that is very, very, very bad. And you cannot have a sustainable foundation if you do not get uncomfortable. It is an uncomfortable experience for a lot of us because of XYZ reasons, maybe because of trauma or, you know, just misinformation or whatever it may be, right? But it is very, very important that we know what is going on with our money all the time. Monthly checks, your financial advisor for your business or for personal reasons. If you need one, I know a good one. So just let me know. Do you break that down in the book? Yeah, okay, there's a whole great. finance section. Great. Everything that I've talked about so far is all in the book. I'm going to need to get this book. <laughs> just to add on to Ashley is having a healthy relationship with your finances. And that doesn't mean you don't have to have money to have a healthy relationship with your finances. It's just learning about it, learning what money is, learning what you want to do with money. Money is a complete tool. It doesn't mean anything. I heard something the other day that if you want to buy a new house, you need to start packing up the old one even before you even have the new crib. I think of that with money. You know, I start thinking of what I'm going to do with my money. I, you know, money, just like, I don't want to get too deep into it, but to what the trauma that Ashley was talking about, like we need to be aware when scarcity and lack is engraved into the way we think. For me, I grew up with the thought that everything we do, we got to finesse it. If we finesse it, we got to finesse. And finessing is also saying there's not enough, so I have to finesse my way there. So just really being conscious of the way you think of money, there is more than enough. And I'll say abundance and prosperity is it's not in the amount of money we have in our bank account, but in our enthusiasm of life. You don't have to be rich to give people to keep things circulating. There's so much more that we can give. And just having that open relationship 
with finances, the way we have an open relationship with all other things, like allowing these things, like a lot of the times we have to think, are we even available to abundance? Are we even available to financial wealth? Because if our mindset is stuck on like, will I have enough? Will, and trust me, I've been there where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know. And it's like, not trying to turn into faith, this whole conversation to faith, but there has to be a level of faith, just like you have a level of faith with your significant other that you believe that this person's doing right by you. Money will do right by you and having just a healthy relationship, learning your business. Every business is different. Every advice I've given will not necessarily apply to any of y'all. If it does, I'm happy. If what I'm talking about shows you that you got to do things differently, then I'm happy about that too. But I think just learning your own business, learning what things that you learn from Ashley or myself can apply to your business, things that don't apply to your business. And then I think when you have that healthier relationship, you can see how lucrative money can be. There's a lot of money in this world and I'm not fully there yet, you know, but I know I'm going to get there. I know I have that healthy relationship with money where I'm not ever, I get stuck in like, how am I going to pay this? Sometimes I think down the road, two years, like, I got my office for two years. I'm like, yo, can I afford this office for two years? This amount of money every month. And I'm like, why? That's my mind playing tricks on me. And since I got this office, I've been able to grow the business so much more because I had to change that. I saw that trauma, that lack, that scarcity in my mind. Like, oh, how are you going to do this? You're not going to be able to do this. What if you go broke? What are you going to do? How are you going to pay people? Anyhow, I think to what Ashley's saying, just having that relationship with money, learning money and treating it like a friend, not like somebody that you're not good enough for. Thank you so much for joining us, Ashley, the business of the Madrina, author of Hefa in Training, and Daniel, co-founder and CEO of Kids of Immigrants. You can continue following your panelists at Ashley K. Stoyano Vojeda and at Kids of Immigrants. And of course, for your hosts, this is another one of our partnerships between Moneda Moves and La Nueva Link. You can follow us at the corresponding at tags all over social media. And please, please, please don't hesitate to give us a follow. Hasta la próxima. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and money moves via our free newsletter written by yours truly at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.